Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. Four women born in four different decades on a mission to help you eat right, get strong, and feel confident in your body. We have all struggled with our body image and confidence at some point, which is why we came together to create this podcast, to remind you that no matter how old you are, you can do this. All you need is support and us, your four empowered besties, to help you crush it on your health and fitness journey. Join us each week for an episode packed on not just what to do, but how to actually do it. We share the crap that no one else talks about because you deserve to succeed and we love keeping it real. Whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or beyond, we got you covered. From four badass women to another, know that we love you, we appreciate you, and you deserve to feel good in your body. Now let's dive in. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. I am Marcy. I will be the host for today. And joining me, I have my lovely co-hosts. Sam and Kim. Unfortunately, Sarah cannot be joining us today. She is spending some time with her family, which is always nice. We need to get away from time to time, right? Yeah. So uh, I did want to use this as an opportunity to talk travel because that's what a lot of us have going on right now. I and totally thought you were about to say when he uses an opportunity for us to talk about Sarah. <laughs> no, actually, I do want to talk about Sarah. We should also just talk nice things about Sarah. I'm going to talk, I'm going to say I, well, uh, right before we got on, I was messaging with my best friend, Sohi, and she is in Dubai currently. They were in Europe, England, and then Spain, and then now they're in Dubai trying to make their way back to the U.S., and she sends, so they're supposed to be coming back, uh, I think at the end of September or first week of October, and, you know, they're very excited. They've been out there for so long, and they're just ready to get back to the States, but she messages me and says, oh my gosh, I'm so annoyed because the, like, the U.S. just, like, opened up the, or, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Order travel ban essentially yeah, yeah. from like the U.S. to Europe. They did. So, yes, they lifted it. That's what I'm trying to say. So, so he was like, "Oh, I could have stayed in Spain and come back to the United States. I didn't have to go to Dubai." So that made me think of Sarah, which means that now she so she can come. She will come. So she'll, she'll be able oh. to come. I mean, I know they have it set up for November, but who knows? Maybe she will be able Move to come forward. Sooner. That's yeah. exciting. I hadn't heard that. That's great yeah. news. I, I think it just happened yesterday. So yeah, maybe she'll get to push her trip up this time instead of having to wait. Cause I just, I can't hear, I can't wait to hear about the love escapade. I know. Well, look, maybe if she makes it to the States and have some time to spend with her boyfriend, maybe she'll join us on our trip. Absolutely. Talk about our trip. Her. We're going yes. places, ladies. <laughs> So we excited. are making things happen. Thanks to Kim. Kim, like Mama Kim, saving the day, <laughs> making all the plans. I have to tell you, this is just how I am with Steph girls. When when I'm with friends or family or whatever, and we talk like, hey, this would be fun to do. I'm not really much of a talker. I'm like, okay, let's do that thing. And if people aren't like making the plans, I'm like, here, here is our hotel. Here is our timing. Like I really am a like, let's get things done kind of person. So mm-hmm. yes, I we were floating the idea of going on a hiking trip together and now we are because i have gotten us a hotel well it's not even a hotel it's like a lodge um i'm really excited about it we are hiking the three of us in new hampshire crawford notch in the end of october yes i'm so excited we should record a podcast episode while we're together because we absolutely (laughs) absolutely that would be fantastic yeah Uh, i am so excited it's just a much needed getaway for all of us. I know that you guys have been doing a little bit of your own travel, but this is going to be my first opportunity since, gosh, I think when we were in Europe at this time last year with Sam and Sarah. Yeah. So, going to oh be gosh. good. Marcy I'm ex- is out of her cage, running out, free, free bird, <laughs> Mars. <laughs> oh my God, just watch out. <laughs> I'm very excited for us to be in nature. I'm excited to get out there and be in some nature together. 
going to oh, be a good yes. time. Although I will tell you, ladies, I've been reading up on hiking in New Hampshire. I, Sam, I think you may have overestimated our hiking abilities. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to tell you, ladies, this yet. I am no advanced hiker. Like I've gone hiking. If you like, I own a pair of hiking shoes, boot things, but I don't hike a ton. And so I was looking. The places you were telling us you wanted to do were like super difficult. They're like only advanced hikers should go here. I'm thinking we need a little conversation about which trails we're getting on so that we appear alive at the other end. You kind of reeled me in. You reeled me in. What's up, girl? <laughs> I uh, I remember like last year, and we'll have to reach out to her. Maybe she has some tips or ideas for us. But Alessandra Skutnik, who is on IG, she lives in yeah, Connecticut, but they they hike in the White Mountains where we're going to be quite often. And I remember last time, they got lost. Oh, I got that. And like they were out there for a long time. I mean, not like days, Ooh. but you know. Yeah, in the rain, it was just, it was not good. So let's prevent that as much as we can. Well, look, I have a fun meeting tonight to help us, ladies. So I have an acquaintance. She's somebody I go to church with. We don't, I don't know her well, but she is like a master hiker. She had a trip planned for a multi-week alone hiking the Adirondack Trail this spring, and it got ruined from COVID. She's a mom of like four kids. Um, Anyway, I was telling her we're doing this and I asked her a question just about gear and she messaged me this long email. She's like, I live for moments like this. <laughs> you <laughs> opened up. All of this information. She's like, do you want to come to my house to talk further? <laughs> so I'm going, I'm going over there tonight. She's going to tell me all about hiking and like what we need to know. And she's Talks just so amazing. happy to share. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I didn't know we're getting ourselves into something so serious. <laughs> me either, but I'm excited to learn what she has to say. Apparently where we're going to be is going to be above the tree line and we need yeah, it's epic it's like yeah. you 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 look like you're in space like looking down on the earth yeah, yeah. So, I'll, I'll find out what what all we need to know oh. <laughs> and and i will continue with my hiking dates to prepare perfect yeah. how are those going <laughs> i've got another one tonight <laughs> oh my god Wait, yes. with which of the gentlemen the first guy i saw him at, i haven't talked to him for two weeks i saw him at my gym yesterday it was like What's up, bro? You gonna you gonna talk to me? So we just we we chatted for a little while, and then he texted me later that night. He's like, "Hey, you know, great to see you." Uh, and I said, "Yeah, great to see you too." So we decided that we would try to go for a hike tonight. We'll see. Anyway, um, any other updates, Sam? Let's throw it to you because you've got something exciting coming down the pipeline. Yeah, well, totally not relevant to hiking or men. Um, but but <laughs> relevant to the, to today's topic. Yeah, so, sure. Um, yeah, I am launching or reopening my course. It was previously called Brave the Binge. I renamed it to Tastes Like Freedom. Love um, that. To help, so thank good. you. <laughs> to help women and men, but um, mostly women overcome emotional eating, binge eating, overeating, and really like heal the relationship with food, feel confident in their body, um, take back control over food and, and not let it feel like it's controlling them. Um, and you guys know my history with binge eating and all of the things using food to cope and all self-soothe. And so now, um, I finally just like put all of my life's work in one place and I'm super excited to, um, to reopen doors. So hosting a few masterclasses, um, for free. So if you head over to my Instagram, you can sign up for free. And then the course is going to be open up until September 30th. Actually, you can sign up until September 29th at 11.59 p.m. And you can snag your spot. So I'm so excited. Yay. Good that stuff. Awesome. You are yeah. going to change lives with that, my friend. Yeah, I'm super excited. Awesome. Well, let's dive in then. Talk a little bit about a lot of bit, a lot of bit about emotional eating because this is a complex topic. And I know when we were setting it up and discussing what this week's episode should be about, and we decided that this was going to be the topic, we figured, oh, this would probably be, you know, two, three episodes. So mm -hmm. we'll see where we go with it. Um, but yeah, emotional eating. I think what I want to start off by saying just from the beginning is there can be, I think, some heaviness around this topic. It can be pretty charged because of the emotions that come with it. And I think a lot of people feel shame embarrassment, guilt, whatever it might be, because they label themselves an emotional eater. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there always has to be a negative connotation with the term emotional eating, because let's face it, food is emotional and it has been used for 
I mean, centuries now at this point as a way to celebrate and to congregate with people and to show love and whatnot. So it is not necessarily a bad thing when used appropriately. Because I think what we want to discuss more is, is emotional eating having a negative impact on your life and how to discern if that is the case for you? And if so, what are the strategies that you can use to find better coping mechanisms? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point, Marcy, because, you know, I think about times in my life, I think about certain foods and I have very strong emotions related to these foods. Um, and it's not a bad thing, right? So like when I think about like my mom's pasta sauce, I immediately think of Christmas because we make this homemade sauce every year. And like, it's a super positive emotion for me. Like mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Like you said, the problem comes in where if these are maladaptive coping techniques in our life. Sure. For sure. So mm -hmm. let's just have some fun with it first and talk about what foods are nostalgic for us and what are the foods that we really enjoy eating that we look forward to, whether it is a certain time of year, you know, it's something we can only get every so often. What are those foods that bring back those warm, fuzzy feelings for you <laughs> that you just really look forward to? So um, can the pasta yeah. sauce for you, anything else? Oh gosh, I've got a ton, Marcy. Uh, so Easter time, since I was little, my mom has always made buttercream, homemade buttercream eggs. And oh, so I have- Oh, So Send me one. About like if you go to the store and you find like there's little, there's like different brands, like Zittner's is one brand. The inside is buttercream and then it's coated in chocolate. And the, the store-bought ones are fine. Like they can taste good, but my mom has a homemade recipe. And um, I have good memories as being a child and making these with her. And then I have really good memories of my kids being super little. And we have videos of it and my mom teaching them to make them. And it was just a really oh. fun time. And so I, I love, they taste good. And I have such good memories of actually making them together. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that I can pretty so much holiday. I have something like that. Food and holiday for my family. They're just really connected. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they are for everybody, you know? Yeah. Totally. For me, it's like, um, there's a few things, definitely pasta sauce, like growing up in an Italian home, it was like my family would make homemade ravioli and also like lasagna and like meat sauce. And, um, while I don't like, I don't do the dairy thing anymore just because it makes me super sick and I'm intolerant to it pasta like bolognese sauce or like meat sauce is so nostalgic for me like and that is such a like a uh, cozy happy food for me um and then also um we used to do this thing where we used to dip bread in sauce like oh yeah and that was such a thing. Like pre-dinner, we'd have bread and sauce. So basically by the time you got to dinner, you were so full, but you're like, I gotta eat my dinner. <laughs> it was like carb coma. Um, but that's <laughs> definitely, that's definitely a thing. And, um, and then also like cinnamon buns and um, like cinnamon sugar, basically anything, cinnamon sugar toast, cinnamon sugar pretzels. Oh, like my, me and my mom, especially, we'd go to like Cinnabon or like Auntie Anne's at the mall and like get cinnamon sugar pretzels. Gosh. And oh my God, that was, every time we went to the mall, we would get one. It was like, that was the thing. Um, and now it's like, oh my God, anytime there's like cinnamon something, I'm like, I want it. That's what I want. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I love that. How about you, Marcy? God, you know, it's tough for me now because I have to avoid both gluten and dairy and everything that I remember that is nostalgic has both of those. So I think the thing that is still present in my family's life on my dad's side is for every birthday we do yellow cake with chocolate frosting. That is like the quintessential birthday cake in our house. And like out of the box, like Duncan Hines box mix, which... I love to bake. And so baking out of a box was like a sin for me for years. <laughs> and, and this year, like for my dad's birthday, I made, I was like, you know, I don't have time to make a three layer yellow cake with homemade buttercream frosting. So I just went to the store and did the box mix. And people were like, this is the best cake I have ever had. <laughs> well, yay for preservatives. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that would be one and gosh, oh, when my grandma was alive, 
she used to make these like amazing breakfasts when we went to her house. So homemade biscuits and sausage and you know, all of the things. I remember that. Uh, but the, I think the yellow cake is probably the, my fondest memory, even though unfortunately I can't eat it anymore, but mm. oh well. You just made me remember about desserts. Um, the other thing was brownies. Like my mom used to make these homemade brownies and I would always tell her, no mom, you gotta make the Betty Crocker brownies. There's something about Betty Crocker boxed brownies like the batter, like licking the batter with my dad. And then like my mom would make them and I would go in literally, I was such a psycho. I would go in and lick the brownies, all of the brownies so that my dad would <laughs> eat them. I would like, I would get them, I would get them all like, Gross. I I'm like, dad, you can't eat them all. Cause he would always eat them all and like never save me. Any. <laughs> so I would like go in and be like, ha ha. He probably still ate them anyways, but <laughs> I just have these fond memories of me and brownies and brownies are still one of my favorite things. And it's like, I don't handle gluten well either Mars, but um, I know that like you have much more significant repercussions, but that is one thing that it's like, for me, it's worth the bloat in all of the symptoms of eating wheat is like, I'll, I'll eat a brownie. It's worth it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, food, like we were saying, it's emotional. It is nostalgic. It's comforting. And it is, it's connection for a lot of people. It is the way that we show love. I mean, when I got married, so I've been, uh, eight years ago in October, I made, I made the desserts for the entire weddings, like 200 plus people. I baked six different cakes, like five different cookies, all these bars. It took me like three weeks. I was up to my elbows in frosting the night before my wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what are you doing? You're crazy. I was like, no, no, no. I love every minute of this. And it was just something special, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So now that we've gotten kind of the, the positives of emotional eating out of the way, let's talk a little bit about the potential downside. If you are using it as a way to deal with some heavy emotions that you perhaps don't want to be feeling. Mm. So Sam, I'm going to throw this one to you. What is your experience? Yeah. So I think I used to use food a lot to just like handle any layer of discomfort. Um, And whether that was like anxiety or a task being hard or overwhelm or being bored and feeling like I didn't have anything to do or being lonely. It was just like, anytime I was uncomfortable, I, I, I wasn't even conscious of it at the, like when I was doing it, I just immediately was like eating. I'm like, why am I eating right now? Right. Cause like I wasn't hungry. Um, But for me, it started, I think, in probably in late high school or like college while I was in architecture school, just like burning myself into the ground. And like food was the thing that like kept me going. It was like, oh, something to look forward to. It was something to give me a break when I really needed one. But my body was like, you have to keep, keep working, keep working, keep working. And I just was so disconnected from my body, like in all the sensations. I didn't know what anxiety felt like. I didn't know what loneliness felt like. I didn't know what stress felt like. And so it was just like a weird feeling in my body. And my default response was to eat. Um, And so I I distinctly remember like in my, um, my thesis, like every day I would go to the vending machine at like 2 p.m. and get a Twix bar. Like every Mm. single day. And then I would get like, um, the, there was like this, uh, trail mix that was like raisins, peanuts, M&Ms, like basically a crack. And I think it was called like crack mix or monster mix or something. And that would be my like reward for doing work, um, or my reward for finishing whatever. And it was like this, it was kind of like a pacifier for me. It was definitely a soother. And, um, I was, I I like didn't know what hunger was because I was like always full. I was just eating not because of hunger signals or hunger cues. It was purely just like, because I wanted it. And I, um, I needed like a little bit of almost like a high, you know, like, it's like, oh, I just need something. Um, and yeah, that was, that was a lot of college and then going into like the workplace, 
as I started, like I started losing a little bit of weight, but then um, I think at a certain point I probably, I needed to take a break from, from losing weight. And I just kept going that way. Um, and what it ended up turning into is me basically being in this cycle of restriction and binging and then any moment of weakness, I would just like lose my shit and eat. And so it was like, um, it was like food was a drug for me for sure. Um, and up until very recently, to be honest, like there's, there's a few emotions that I just, I hadn't, um, I've never been able to like name them. And one for me recently has been anxiety. Like I've actually probably struggled with anxiety my entire life and I didn't know it. And it was just this like sensation that I never was still enough to sit with and observe it rather than just like reacting right off the bat. Um, so that was, <laughs> that's been my experience. And I think that there's some times where I still do emotionally eat, but I'm like way more aware of it. I'm like, okay, I'm choosing to eat right now. Um, and that's okay, but it can definitely, and it has for me, uh, prevented me from losing weight in the past or caused me weight gain just because I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's something really important to address is where does it even start? Mm. You know, at what time in your life does it start? So Sam, it sounds like you kind of had the awareness as to when that was for you. Kim, what about you? Cause I know you've struggled with emotional eating as well. Yeah. As long as I can remember, frankly, I was not cognizant of it until gosh, I don't know, some, somewhere in my forties here that this was the, I, that this was an issue for me. You know, the, the problem with emotional eating is really twofold. One, it can really keep us from meeting our physique goals. If we have a weight loss goal or even a maintenance goal, frankly, it can be really hard if we are emotional eating. And then the other thing is we're not actually addressing the underlying emotion which is a real problem in our lives, right? If we're not actually addressing these emotions because we're just eating them, that's a real problem. For me, um, and I know I've, I've talked about this uh, on the podcast, I'll tell you two experiences. One I'm sure I've talked of, one I don't know if I've spoken of. When I was in college and I was you know, 19, 20, um, the way I would handle loneliness and just like overwhelm, I would go to the store on a Friday night and I would buy fashion magazines and home decorating magazines and an entire bag of cookies. And I would come back and lock myself in my room. I would eat a whole bag of cookies and read these magazines just as a way of escape. Like that was a lot. Who eats a bag of cookies? Like, and it felt totally normal to me. Mm. Um, That's not okay. Right. Um, And what I should have done is when I'm lonely, like I could have called a friend or if I felt like overwhelmed with, there's a lot of things I could do. Right. Then another one that, and it sounds crazy to me now, and it sounds really bizarre, uh, I served as a missionary for my church in my mid-20s in the Czech Republic. I really wanted to do it. I ha- you have to learn the language, so I had to learn to speak Czech. I went to an intensive language training institute for two months. I learned to speak Czech. I got there, and when I got th- and I thought I was pretty good. Like, compared to my fellow classmates, I was pretty good with Czech. I got there and immediately realized, like, I don't know what the heck these people are saying. But when my American professor was teaching me, it did not sound like this. So I didn't, I couldn't really understand the language. I was expected to speak it all day, every day, and trying to speak to people about religion. I had a partner that I would work with. We would live together. We would work together. She was a native Czech. She spoke English, but be- and she was trying to help me. The best way to learn a language is to speak it. So she wouldn't speak to me in English. She refused. So a lot of people had a break because their person that they were with, like they spoke English. And I never got to speak English. She just spoke to me in Czech. It was a horrible culture shock. And I was really struggling. There's a lot of pressure to not come home from this experience. Like I could have at any point been like, send me home. But there was a lot of pressure to not do that. Mm-hmm. And so I went on. And what I started doing was buying a Czech candy bar. They're called Petranki. And they're delicious. And Say it again. Tranky, T-A-T-R-A-N-K-Y. And they're delicious. And what I ended up doing, I would buy one and every morning I would put it next to my pillow so that when I woke up, I had something to look forward to in my day. Oh, wow. And I would eat this candy bar every morning. I did this for a while. It was a good chunk of time. Yeah. And I look back, I'm thinking that was a really big warning sign that something was wrong if I had to have a candy bar to get out of bed. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Kim, you hit upon such a powerful word, which is escapism. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like that hits home for me too. And um, Marcy, I'm I'm sure you can relate as well, but 
I think like there was, and actually I, when I say you can relate, what I mean is I think I told you about this in the height of my food issues, which mm. was, I was before I met Kurt and before between the relationships, I was really lonely, but I didn't want to admit it. Mm. And I, it, my eating only happened at night and it was like, why? right? Like, why? Was I being too restrictive during the day? And I was like, maybe not. But I was like, no, I just like want love, really. But I would never, I did not want to admit that. I was like, I'm fine. I don't need anyone. Like, I'm not lonely because that made me feel really weak. And uh, I just didn't want to admit that to myself or to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And even now, being with Kurt, who's amazing, there are nights where I, even though I'm with him, I still feel lonely. Mm. And I asked myself, like, why? Like, what is this about? And that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole other episode that we could talk about. But at the end of the day, it was like, I, I had such a hard time being with myself that food was my companion because it was reliable, it was accessible. I didn't need to be judged for it. Like everyone eats, you know, it's okay. No one knows like what you're using it for. And it's so normalized now to like eat all the time, have an appetizer, have a meal, have a dessert, have a post-dessert, have another treat, you know? And it's just like normal. And I remember like telling that to Kurt, like after I met him and we had been dating for a while, I was like, you know, I think like before meeting you, I was actually pretty lonely. And I don't know that I've ever admitted that to myself or anybody else. And he was like, well, thanks for sharing. He's like, I don't know if I was lonely, but I definitely, I definitely wanted to meet somebody. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I just don't think I ever wanted to admit that. Like mm -hmm. it, it felt like because I've been such an independent woman and like, I was like, I don't need no man, you know, but deep down I'm like, I want a companion. Like I want a buddy. And it made me feel really like childish even saying that when I first admitted that. And that's probably the first time I ever said it out loud to like you guys even, um, and so I would eat like, and it was mostly sweets. It was like, it was the thing I was craving, which was like the, like love, which often is, is what we use sweets for to fill that void. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that was a, a vulnerable share and mm -hmm. it's not always easy to open up like that, but it is so important again, so that other people know that they are not alone because I'm sure someone out there listening is going to resonate with that completely. And I mean, I know I felt that way myself over the years. I think we all have. And if we're going back to, okay, when does, when do these issues start? I think for me, it started probably in, I mean, maybe middle school, because when I was old enough to stay by myself after school, before my parents got home from work, yeah, I was lonely. I was, I don't know if I was bored because I was having to do schoolwork and all that. But yeah, I don't have any siblings. I have a much older half brother, but he had since moved out of the house. So it was just kind of me, myself and I, and the food, you know? And I remember, yeah, looking forward to coming home and, and eating. And I still remember the foods that I would go to. I was actually making oatmeal yesterday and I had this memory because this sounds so weird. I used to eat dry oatmeal like out of the container. I don't know why. It's actually kind of good, <laughs> but that is one of the things that was like my snack after school almost every day. I mean, along with other things as well, but I think it was filling a void. And when I was, and my mom was a teacher growing up. So, or when I was growing up for many years, and then she became an administrator. So when I was younger, she was at home a lot during the summer. And then once she got into her administrative career, she had to work year round. So I, again, was home alone a lot during the summers and would turn to food. So mm -hmm. I think that's when it started for me. But even from a very young age, if it wasn't me like emotionally eating, it, food was the way that I was shown love. That was the way that my dad and I bonded. So he took me to preschool every day and we would either go to breakfast together and get waffles, which were so delicious, or we would go to the donut store. We'd get donuts. We would go get cookies and bring them to my preschool. So food was just, yeah, it was love, it was connection and how, how we bonded. Same thing with, I was telling you about my grandma you know, earlier in the episode and that was the case for her as well. Like 
it was funny. She, I think my, looking back, my grandma had an eating disorder because she didn't really eat the stuff, but she would cook and feed us. And that was the way that she showed us love. So yeah, it all, it all starts somewhere, you know? Yeah. And Marcy, I think it's a really important thing, like for parents listening, this is something I've become cognizant of in recent years, is trying to foster those kinds of experiences. Like this is how I show love. This is what we do to celebrate those things in non-food ways. Not only non-food ways, because there's nothing wrong with having some of it be food, but having like more on the menu of like, what are our special times together? So that when my kids look back and think about these special things, it's not all food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, and then the importance of teaching your kids how to regulate their emotions outside of using food. And that was not shown to me. Like my dad had a pretty bad temper and he had no healthy coping strategies and maybe like exercising, but that was about it. And then I really don't think my mom did because I did not know this and she doesn't listen. So Sorry, mom. But a couple of months ago, I overheard my parents like getting in this really big argument and my mom admitting that when she was in her forties, which I also think, and Kim, you can probably attest to this is when the women are starting to go through menopause and their hormones are shifting, which can lead to symptoms of depression. Right. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, not only was she stressed out because at that time in our life or her life, you know, my parents were kind of struggling financially. She had, was moving into a different part of her career. I think she was stressed out there and then probably going through the hormonal shift of menopause. And she had said to my dad, like there were times when I was driving home and I was just like, I, like, I don't want to be doing this. Like I, how can I essentially get out, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, do I drive my car off the road? And like hearing that was devastating for me because I had absolutely no idea, you know? And uh, cause those things, I think they, people have shame talking about them. And so you want to stuff them down with food. And it's interesting. Sometimes I would get into my mom's car and I would find, you know, empty bags of McDonald's or, you know, whatever it was. So it's like, I think she was eating in privacy. Mm. And one day I came home and I started eating brown sugar with a spoon out of the box. And when I walked in, she tried to like, uh, hide the the box Mm -hmm. under the desk. And it's like, no, I saw you, (laughs) but yeah. So clearly she did not have any healthy coping mechanisms and was using food and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I can relate. I I don't know if my, my mom listens to this. So sorry, mom. Um, but I can, I definitely have witnessed that happening with my family, just generally like eating in secret or looking like, like they just got caught when like, if you walk in a room and like someone's got their like hand in a chip bag or something or, um, justifying why they're eating, um, which is like a big sign that like there's shame. If you have to justify why you're eating or, or what you're eating, um, and also like my entire mom side of the family, um, has struggled with weight and growing up, like all I saw was them just eating, 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 and eating past the point of, f- f- um, fullness to the degree that they were like, oh my God, I'm so full. But then they would eat more. And like, that was normalized to me. Like, oh, you just keep eating. Like what's a fullness cue. <laughs> and I, I didn't know that there was like, our bodies are so smart and that tell us like, Hey, like you're probably done now. Um, I was so disconnected from that because, well, I was unhappy for sure. As a kid, um, there's a lot of just stuff that I went through just being in a family where I was kind of the like Switzerland between my mom and dad. Um, they would like come mm-hmm. to me and like try to solve problems through me. Um, and also just like growing up, never feeling like I fit in and, um, not being, feeling like not good enough, like at sports or school or whatever. And I, I remember just feeling like on the outside, having this like facade on and being like, I'm good, all's well. But like deep down when I was by myself, I was depressed for sure. And the only, the only way I knew how to cope was food. Like that was it because 
I didn't have any like friends that were like doing drugs at the time. Like I couldn't have even gotten into drugs. I didn't know how to. And, um, and they scared me to be honest, but like food was a thing that was like, Oh, this is good. Like, ah, you know, it kind of gives you that dopamine high. (laughs) And I think that's, that's a huge thing. Like masking the fact that like, you're actually just like really unhappy and it's hard. It's really fucking hard to face that because once you open that door, there can be a lot in that room <laughs> of why am I so unhappy? Um, and I can say from experience, like doing the work and unraveling that is worth it, but it is, it's hard work for sure to, un- to dig down into the layers of, <laughs> of the depths of like, why are you unhappy? And how can we find something that we can use that feels healthier, um, that aligns more with our goal? If your goal is weight loss, or if your goal is maintenance, um, that can help you manage it, whether it be therapy or other types of grounding practice practices like breath work or meditation or journaling or like getting out of your own head and not stuffing it down. That for me has been the, the big thing is like, how do I get this out instead of shoving it down? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Cause the only way out is through, you know, and if you don't deal with it, you're always going to be looking for some way to feel better rather than actually sitting with that. And I I wrote a post about this, oh, maybe three weeks ago where I was going through a very emotional time and I was all alone in my house. Like it was very quiet. And I was thinking about something that, because I was going through something in my life that was coming to an end. And I was thinking about the experience and I just started, like, I'm a crier. I cry all the time. It's just, I don't know. It's weird. I didn't know that about you. Oh my God. I cry all the time. Dude, yes. I, yeah, I feel like that I've started to know that about you lately. Um, I've also experienced the same thing. I've never cried so much in my life until the past like six months. Like I'm letting it out. <laughs> but but I, but I always have. It's this really weird reaction. Like even if I'm not overly upset, I just have this, something just like triggers the tears in me. Like I was getting teary just beginning to talk about that experience, even though I feel like I've moved through it. It's very strange. So it's that's not like your brain's way of resetting though. Like it's like, oh. that's actually, it's, it's awesome that you cry because oh, people yeah. don't cry have a lot of stored trauma. For sure. No, I, I definitely get it out in, in many ways. I was, uh, <laughs> I was upset about something yesterday, like, and I just screamed, like I was so frustrated. I just like screamed out loud. And again, I was by myself, so it was okay. I mean, Wesley may have been startled, but, uh, <laughs> and it felt amazing. Then I was like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> You know, and that emotion just, it moved through me because I got it out. And that's the thing, like emotions are, are energy in motion. Like you can't change them with your mind. Like it's no. like using your body to get the emotions out is the only way through. So it's yeah. like shaking, screaming, dancing, breath work. Like it's- Even it's, just speaking the words out loud. Yeah, so literally. I really encourage my clients yes. to talk these things out out loud to themselves. Yes. Record a voice memo. Like I do this all the time, like voice memo myself. And it's so powerful. When you hear yourself back, you're like, whoa, I'm just in pain. I am hurting right now. Or I'm frustrated. You can observe yourself like you're your own like child, you know? Um, so yeah, that definitely is getting it out. Getting in whatever way, you know, I like verbalizing it, Kim, whether that's out loud to yourself and I know you did an emotional eating video on YouTube the other day, which I actually, I, I watched that. It was very good. And I've never really like talked to myself like that. I tend to like to talk to other people as a sounding board, or I will journal it out and write my emotions. I'm much more of a, I guess, a writer than a speaker in that way. Um, but going back to what I was going through a couple of weeks ago, yeah, like I just was like, bawling for a couple of minutes. And then eventually, if you just sit with it for enough time, it is going to stop. Mm -hmm. And that is what I forced myself to do. Because I think in the past, I may not have turned to food, but maybe I would have even gone for like caffeine or, you know, just like something to consume to get my mind off of what I was thinking and off what I was feeling. I was like, nope, I'm just going to use this as a practice to allow these emotions to move through me. So I was crying hard. And then like, eventually like they just, the the tears stopped Mm -hmm. and I sat there and I thought about what I was feeling. I allowed myself to feel it. 
And then at that point, once I had calmed down, once I had moved through it and the, the powerful, or I guess like the power that those emotions had over me started to dissipate. Then I was like, all right, now I'm going to go and do something to feel good. So I drove to one of my favorite spots out in nature and took a walk and I did, I felt a lot better. And then I came home and I wrote about it. Like I wrote a post for Instagram sharing that. And that was incredibly cathartic. But one of the things that I said in that post, and I'm curious if you guys agree with me because we will get into, you know, what are strategies that we can use? We've already alluded to some of them, but sometimes I feel like the strategies are even a way to mask or avoid feeling the pain, even if it is a quote unquote healthy coping mechanism. So for me, it's going for walks, it's listening to music, it's calling a friend, it's you know getting a workout in, uh, immersing myself in work, right? Mm-hmm. But how often do we just force ourselves to sit there, think about it, feel it, and then move through it? So you guys are shaking your head over there. Yeah, that's so that's important. Do. That's such an important point, Marcy. First of all, like I think you know we can't skip back past the step of like just recognizing that you're doing this because we can be so on autopilot in our life that we don't even realize like what we're feeling and what we're doing because of those feelings. And so just recognizing that we have this pattern of like I shove down my feelings with Oreos or whatever it is, like just recognizing that. And then that is so key what you said, Marcy, about like not just replacing the Oreos with the workout or whatever it is, but really sitting with our feelings and like allowing yourself to feel, and it's super uncomfortable sometimes depending on what the feeling is, right? Um, Allowing yourself to first recognize what is the feeling? Why am I feeling this? And really sitting with the feeling and then attempting to manage our reaction to the feeling would be next, but really just feeling the feeling is, is really important. Right. And maybe you can't get to that point right away because it's taken me a long time to get mm-hmm. here. You know, my first inclination when I'm feeling shitty is to, yeah, go for a walk still like, Oh, what can I eat? Or like looking at the clock, you know, Oh, is it my, is it time to eat yet? You know, because yes, I look forward to food. I will admit that. Um, I don't think I'm in the habit of where I will just eat to eat, but I definitely look forward to food as a distraction, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for the people listening who are really in the thick of this struggle, maybe going from where you are now to just sitting with yourself is going to be too large of a step. So start small and maybe at, you can start by using the healthier coping mechanism. So I always talk to my clients, like, what is the feeling that you want to replicate with food? Is it comfort? Is it connection? Is it, you know, whatever it might be. And then what can you give yourself? What can you do to provide that same feeling? So if it's comfort, you know, can you wrap yourself in a blanket, sit on the couch, light some candles and watch a good movie or read a book? You know, if it's, you need to get that anger and that energy out. Can you go for a walk? Can you listen to music and dance? And, or like I did the other yesterday, can you scream, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, so maybe starting there. And then once you feel like you were getting a better handle on it, then you can start to just actually force yourself to sit with it. Yeah. Like, I think what you said, Marcy, like the way I think of it is like healthy coping is still coping right? Like you're still coping, which means that it's really hard for you to sit with the thing. Um, and the thing with like emotions is like, they are, they have weight, like physical weight. And when you try to resist them, it actually requires you to use a lot of your energy and that's, that will drain your willpower. And then that makes it way easier for you to eat or whatever that you would do. And so if you can start just practicing naming the emotion that you're experiencing, I like to say like the name it to tame it. So like Mm. if you are experiencing anxiety, like, oh, that's anxiety. What's up? What are you trying to teach me? Right? Because like emotions are your teachers. Your body can't communicate with you in language, but it does communicate with you in feelings, emotions, sensations, and all the things. Mm -hmm. And so that anxiety is there for a reason. 
it's telling you something like do you need to slow down do you need to stop doing so much like what is it maybe your alone my loneliness was teaching me something well i actually do want a partner okay cool let me admit that to myself it's okay um so knowing that like with every emotion that comes up comfortable or not it's a teacher for you and when we can acknowledge like, oh, this is actually my body just communicating with me, then you can work with your body and it's it's no longer a war. Like you're not trying to like numb it or distract it or whatever. And like you said, Mars, I used to, I replaced my binge eating with walking, which was great. I was not ready to face my demons at that point. I wasn't. And so I walked and that was amazing. And at a certain point, that strategy didn't work anymore because I would walk and then I would come home and then I would eat. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, I was just postponing the eating. (laughs) And so now I'm way more aware of, oh, okay, cool. I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? What's this about? Like, where in my life am I putting too much pressure on myself or overwhelm or whatever? And I will tell you that that is the fucking gateway to freedom is when you can master your emotions and then really start to listen into your body. Your mind is going to be telling you all crazy shit, but when you can start to turn inwards and listen, but you have to be still enough to listen. And I think mm-hmm. that like that pairing a stillness practice, like a meditation or a breath work or a lie on the floor for five minutes and don't move. You don't have to call it meditation, just stillness. It gives you space to process and to observe so because we're just often so disconnected from our bodies dieting culture is like think with your mind think with your mind think with your mind think with your minds like eat with calories in mind eat from my fitness pal eat you know and it's like oh what about this like beautiful body that we have that's tell has a hunger cue and a fullness cue and a and a craving cue and like all these things it's so smart but often we're just so busy and overwhelmed and go 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 that we miss the emotion and we miss the lesson and we're just so busy distracting ourselves from that mm-hmm. yeah can yeah. i build on something that sam just said there about naming the emotion i think this is a super important point do you guys know georgie fear mm-hmm. yeah um george and i had a great conversation a couple months back we were talking about naming the emotion you're feeling um and in her book her new book um give yourself more she has this whole list of emotions and she's saying a lot of times the problem is we name our emotion, but we give it such like a basic emotion. Like I am sad, I am um, stressed that it doesn't really mean anything. And we need to get more specific. Like I am overwhelmed or like whatever. And so not being so general with how we feel. And so you can actually look online and find emotion wheels where it kind of gives you the basic emotions. Like the colorful one. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. underneath are all, and then really look for the specific emotion. Like it's not just I'm sad, but I am lonely or whatever it is so that we can really get specific with how we're feeling. Totally. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's like the um, one that I just recently discovered because like it, it's hard to put language to these things. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have the language to express ourselves, which is such a problem, like when we can't, when we feel like we can't express um, we feel trapped and we feel frustrated. And that's like the chronic state of the world if they, if we're not doing this work. And yeah. I think the, when you can see the word, like um, one recently that I've just been harping on is um, undervalued. Like, oh, that's how I'm feeling. It's actually undervalued. It's not, it's not frustrated. It's undervalued. So then that's my teacher. And like you said, Kim, I think it's the depth of the emotion, Mm -hmm. not the shallow kind of masking more general one. So, so got to wrap this up really quick. Sam, I just want to ask you, what is your strategy? And you know, if you're talking about this in your course, once you name the emotion, once you figure it out, figure out, excuse me, what it is, what is the next step from there? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Um, for me, it's asking it what it's teaching you really. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and almost thinking of it, like I, I create like a little character in my mind of whatever the emotion is. And I'm like, Hey, what's up? cool. I acknowledge that it's not me. And it's like, it's just an emotion. It's, it's going through me. It's going to not be here forever and ask it like, what's up? What do you, what are you saying here? Like, what are you doing here? And having that conversation and that kind of like playfulness and ease with it it can make the load a lot lighter. Mm -hmm. And often just doing that in itself is enough for you to just be like, I'm safe. 
right? Because right. usually it's like your body doesn't feel safe with whatever that emotion is. So it will, it will try to ground itself by eating or whatever the coping mechanism is. Yeah. So I would say befriend the emotion and ask what the lesson is um, and sit with it, like get support. That's, a, that's huge, but that's something that you can do at home is asking yourself, what is this teaching me? What, what am I pretending not to know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And really quick, I mean, I started a journaling practice. I actually went through a course in the beginning of quarantine that was created for people who suffer with chronic pain because I am someone who has had chronic back pain as well as some like foot pain from when I was really young around 10 to 12. And the woman who created this course, like her perspective is that, you know, pain in our body is a messenger, just like anxiety is just like those other emotions or feelings, Sam, that you were talking about. And I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And, and it can really be any symptoms, whether it's like acid reflux, headaches, pain, anything like that. It is your body trying to tell you something because your body would rather it feels safer being in physical pain than it does you acknowledging and expressing what you are feeling out loud, either to yourself or to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. So as a way to distract you, it will create pain somewhere in your body. Well, we seem to have had a little tech trouble and lost Marcy, but she was wrapping up her thought there. Um, I think today's episode has been a really great start to broach this conversation. I feel like there's so much more to say. We could have multiple episodes on this and get more deeper into strategies for all of you to handle the emotional eating um, and manage the emotions. There's so much to say on this. Um, we all teach on this in our Instagram. Sam's got this great course coming up. Sam, can you remind people again how they can find that? Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, okay. You can sign up for the free masterclass. And then if the course is something you're interested in, you'll be able to get $100 off of the course um, for joining the masterclass. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fantastic. That's we'll fantastic. put the link in the bio for you guys. You can sign up. I'd love to see you there. We have a bunch of women signed up. I'm so excited. And we'll for sure do more episodes on this so we can kind of keep talking through strategies for you all to, once you really recognize like this is a pattern I have, what can I do? Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Wonderful conversation, ladies. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable. I appreciate it. Yes. Love you all. We hope this episode has been helpful. And uh, head us up on Instagram, tag us and let us know um, what what the most valuable takeaway was for you. Absolutely. All right. Love you all. Bye. Bye. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. We love you, we appreciate you, and we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission. We are the Decades of Strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.